This is Margaret Carey, also known as Tinkerbell, and I'm the original reference model for Walt Disney Tinkerbell, and I'm here today with Enchanted Tiki Talks. Now you listen up. Mahini Mekioni Mana, ladies and gentlemen, no flashbulbs, please. Our performers are temperamental and easily upset. Thank you for your cooperation. Oh, look at all the people. My goodness, you're all staring at us. We better start the show rolling. Wait, wait. We forgot to wake up the glee club. Hey, howdy, hey. And thank you for joining us here on China Tiki Talk. We are your hosts. I'm Sean. I'm Alan. I'm Keith. So grab yourself a Dole Whip, pull up a chair, and enjoy the show. This is episode 36 for the week of June 29th, 2014. On this week's show, we have brought in a Disney fan who is not only a writer, but also a podcaster and hangs out at the Museum of the Weird on the weekends. We are excited to speak with the host from Communicore Weekly, Jeff Heimbach. Hey, Jeff, how are you? Good. How are you guys? I'm excellent. How about you guys? I'm I'm awesome. Great to talk to Jeff Heimbach. I mean, Heimbach. (laughs) (laughs) I wish hanging out in the museum was a real thing that I could do every weekend. Yeah, that'd be be pretty awesome. Yeah. As do we all, yeah. Well, you do hang out. You still with get to hang out with Rolly Crump, so. Yeah, I guess that's the next best thing if you insist. Speaking of Rolly, um, so how did you actually, you know, start working with Rolly in the beginning? Anyway, uh, it was about four years ago. He, he released a uh, an audio walking tour of uh, Disneyland, and I, I emailed you know the email address on his website to see if I can interview him about it for uh, an older podcast I was doing, and to you know give him a little bit of promotion. And uh, we wound up talking for like two hours uh, on the phone for the podcast, and we just kind of struck up a friendship from there. And uh, he, at the time, he was he was trying to get you know his story uh, off the ground in some way. He was working with other people uh, over the the years, and none of it really panned out. And uh, you know, he kind of offered it to me next. And you know, being a huge fan of his uh, when I was growing up, I absolutely took the opportunity, and I you know booked a flight to come out to California to work with him, and, uh, you know, we've been close ever since. That's awesome. Yeah, there's not very many people who can say, no. yeah, I'm close with uh, a legend of the Walt Disney Company, and yeah, he knew yeah. Walt. <laughs> you're, you're like second uh, second uh, string Walt. You're second degree. Uh, yeah, two, two degrees, degrees of Walt away. <laughs> seven degrees of Walt Disney, and you're two. I don't think I could even get it done in seven. <laughs> well, I guess technically I could do it in... Uh, Four. I know George, and George knows you, and you know Rolly, and Rolly knows hey, Walt. So there you go. That works. There you go. I found it. You're three now. I mean, you're talking to me. So uh, yeah, but I still haven't met you in person. Next, All right, that's, uh, next year, perfect. maybe. You do need to come back out here. When I'm I'm, tr- here. Uh, I'm hoping to get out to California actually in 2015. So I'll, I'll oh, keep you. Uh, I'll keep you in the loop if I make it out. That's what we're Please trying do. for. That's only six months away. <laughs> well, well, we're still trying to figure out what time in 2015. That's a big span. You have a whole, whole year to figure that out. Yes, we have plenty of time. <laughs> so, in addition, I mean, obviously, you know, you know, I've heard. I think you heard. I think I heard you say one time, or maybe Rolly said it, that he kind of, he kind of thinks of you as like a grandkid. Is that? Is that? Am I remembering correctly? Yeah. Um. And it's really kind of weird to be thought of that way. To be honest with you, especially for someone that you've, you know, grown up uh, 
admiring and respecting. But uh, it's it's really cool that that's how he refers to me as. <laughs> In addition to to Rolly, you know Bob Gurr. At least you name drop Bob Gurr. How did all the time? You, uh, did you just stalk him one day, or or how did you end up meeting him? Was that through Rolly? Uh, in a way, yeah. I mean, we we had him. You know, I emailed him to write a uh, a forward for the book. And uh, when I came out here to California to do the book tour with Rolly, um, you know, I emailed Bob and I said, hey, we're going to come out for a week. You know, can we get together for, you know, lunch or something one day? And he was like, oh, yeah, you know, we'll, I'll meet you at the park. And we wound up spending the entire day with him at the park. And then we, you know, went to Trader Sam's for hours with him. And then he came back to our room to show us a movie that he did. So, uh, he, he's a good dude. He's got a lot of great stories to share. Yeah, he seems it. I mean, I'd, I'd love to talk to him. He seems, uh, you know, I've heard him on, um, you know, a few podcasts in the past. And, you know, he's got some great stories, interest, an interesting person. And, I mean, anybody who's worked, you know, with the Disney company back in that day and age has got stories. And, and it's, it's just a treasure to the company with, with the stories to share. So Yeah, m- much like Rolly, he has a, you know, a ton of stories logged away in his his archive in his mind and he you know he has a story for literally any situation you can think of he's got a story that relates to it well going back a bit tell you know just to give a little history on you how did you become a disney fan and and because i know you weren't i think i've heard you say that you weren't a you weren't a lifelong disney fan were you or was or was that george no no i i i was uh george uh didn't get there to Disney World, I think, for the first time until, like, 92 or something. Um, but I- I've been going at least once a year, every year, since I was four years old to Walt Disney World. Um, my my first trip, my mom and my grandmother took me, um, and we stayed off property, so I didn't, I didn't get the full experience, but we went to um, Magic Kingdom and to Epcot, and I just remember being enthralled by it. And then, you know, it just became our vacation destination every year after that. And, you know, as, as I got older, that's when I really started to appreciate uh, all the other things that were that, that went into the making of the park and the attractions and stuff. So I, I pretty much am a lifelong Disney fan. Since you're, you know, pretty much uh, you're really an expert on Disneyland because you, you live out there and you've been going to Disney World for such a long time. There's always the question, which park is better? I'm not going to I'm not going to make you answer that question. Oh, thankfully. <laughs> <laughs> but. Just give some comparisons because there's a lot of people who've never been out to Disneyland and, and try to try to sell Disneyland to someone, you know, so they're gonna instead of them going to Disney World every year, try to sell it to them that they need to go to Disneyland for whatever reason. What's what would your main points be? Uh, well, for one, I would say that they're absolutely different. Uh, I mean, obviously, Magic Kingdom and Disneyland Park are you know similar in a lot of ways, but. The the main difference is obviously that at Disneyland, uh, Walt actually was there. You know, he walked the streets. He had a hand in how the park was built. And I mean, it, it, the feeling that you get when you walk down Main Street at the Magic Kingdom as a pair, as opposed to Disneyland is completely different because at uh, Magic Kingdom, you know, it's of course I mean it's gorgeous and you have the big uh, castle at the end, uh, Cinderella Castle, and it just looks great. But at Disneyland, everything is smaller and it kind of hugs you and it's much more intimate feeling and it's just i don't know it feels closer and maybe a a little friendlier in a couple of ways um and i mean granted the park overall is much smaller but the disneyland itself has more attractions in just disneyland than the entirety of the walt disney world resort so there's more to do i guess 
I mean, you can easily spend, you know, as opposed to seven days at Walt Disney World, you can easily spend seven days at the Disneyland Resort and never get bored and, you know, still not see everything that you want to see. I definitely think the intimacy, that's a that's a good description. That's that's what I took from it on my first visit. It's just, it's different. Everything's a little bit smaller, everything's a little bit more confined, but not in a bad way. It's just kind of, it, feel, it feels warmer. Yeah, it's, yeah it's, it's more cozy. It's, you know, it's They're like going back to your grandmother's house after having been there for 10 years. You get that kind of feeling. You know, it's, it's actually funny that you say that because I went to Disneyland for the first time when I was seven or eight. And then I didn't go back again until I flew out to California to work on the book with Rolly. So I hadn't seen the park in 20 years. And it kind of was like a homecoming in a way, um, especially, you know, going into the tiki room because i had been living with under new management for a long time going into the tiki room uh at disneyland was like stepping back into my childhood because it was the show i remembered as a kid and you know, that wasn't ruined by you know zazu and iago from from disney films so it, it it was it was great could be worse we could have stitch is it hong kong that has stitch i think in their uh tiki room i hear that show's not that bad no it can't be bad it can't be good though come on it's got stitch compared, it. compared to under new management i hear it definitely ranks higher than that huh i mean i, I would I take a stitch show over under new management any day of the week and i hardly loved under new management but i just can't imagine that I, mean, I guess at least stitches like you know hawaiian and not unlike iago yeah, there's a vague connection there that they can kind of connect the dots with but not a hundred percent i like stitch i just i can uh i see him as part of the tiki show ever <laughs> <laughs> So Jeff, oh, you yeah. also have been writing for Mice Chat forever. How did you get started with them? Um, I guess I forget. One trip I came back from Disney, and I got really into uh, you know finding more about stuff online. And I realized there were these whole communities out there, and I found uh, one Disney site. Um, and I became it was just kind of starting, and I became friendly with um the guy who ran it, and I wrote for him for a year. And uh, he, after the year, he decided he was going to sell the site to some company. So I didn't want to continue working for like a, a business. It was like a car rental company down in Orlando. So they were going to use the site to kind of like promote their company. Um, so I kind of was looking around for somewhere else to go. And uh, I was, uh, you know, talking to the, the folks at Mice Chat and they invited me to come uh, write for them. So I'd been there for three years, four years now. I think it's four years. It's been a long time. <laughs> you also do, um, like speaking, um, agements too. Um, did that start and um, enjoyable or nerve wracking or, or both? Um, you know, I think at first it was a little nerve wracking, but I think I've become so used to it now. Um, I mean, I, I have a handful coming up in the next couple of months. Like, you know, I'm doing one at Disneyana in July about um, the South of the Border trip that Walt Disney and you know El Grupo took um, mm -hmm. with Keith Glock. Kim and I are going to talk about that. And then in August, I'm doing one about the World's Fair. And then in September, I'm doing the Five Legged Goats of the Disneyland Resort. So I, I mean, it's it's fun for me not just through the podcast to share to share this like history stuff that I know, but it's I think doing it in front of a group of people is a little more satisfying because. You know, when you're doing a podcast, you, you don't get that immediate reaction. I mean, yeah, people will email you later or, or, you know, they'll send you a tweet or something. But when you do it in front of a crowd, it's kind of good to feed off their energy. And, uh, you know, if, if they're into it, I feel like it, it's a lot more fun for me and a lot more fun for them also. Yeah, that's like 
you know, doing the podcast is great. I, I really enjoy doing it and, and speaking with these two guys and then, you know, everybody else who we had come on the show, you know, speaking to them. It's it's so much fun. It's very engaging, you know, with just your intimate group. But, I, I mean, I would love to be able to do a, a live version or just, you know, do a roundtable sitting at a in some kind of conference just talking to people and with a general love of Disney. And, you know, you got to get a kick out of that. Like you say, you can definitely feed off of that. Were you nervous at first when you started to do that? Was it easy for you to do? I mean, the first really big one I did was uh, the the 38th uh, show anniversary for Communico Weekly when we did uh, Epcot's 30th anniversary uh, live show. And it was a little nerve-wracking for me because, I mean, the guys at Mice Chat helped they put it together for us, and I know they put a lot of money into renting the Norway Pavilion, and, you know, there was a hundred and something people that were going to be there. So it was a little nerve-wracking at first, but, I mean, after that initial one, uh, I think I kind of got over that fear. And I, I'm a, I've always, you know, been one to, I don't know, I guess, uh, Martina's going to laugh at me, but be the center of, a, of attention a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> she says a little, so yeah. <laughs> I used to do stand-up comedy in college, too, so, I oh, mean, wow. it, it's not something I haven't done before, but, I mean, it's still, you know, is a little nerve-wracking from time to time. I didn't know you were a stand-up comedian. Yeah, that was, you know, I, I started, I took a class in college. It was an actual class offered at my college at William Patterson, so I took it for a semester, and the final exam was, uh, this might not mean anything to any of you guys, but there's a comedy club in New York City called Caroline's, mm-hmm. and the final exam was doing a stand-up show at Caroline's. Um, oh, wow. So that was pretty nerve-wracking <laughs> and i did it for a couple of years after that and i still do it every once in a while but i i never tell anybody when i do it i just go out and do it was this about seven years ago uh it was seven eight years ago yeah oh, okay it was a while yeah. ago i think that was the last time i was at caroline's oh really <laughs> oh. <laughs> i remember that night <laughs> caroline's is closed now thanks to jeff the class wasn't the best class in the world <laughs> That's an interesting class. We don't we don't offer that at NC State. There were no uh, stand up comedy classes at the college I went to. Yeah, it was only like the second or third time they offered that class when I took it, and uh, I mean I I know they continued to offer it after I left, but I don't think they do it anymore. They offered one at Chef School, but I didn't take it. <laughs> it was, uh, Every, everybody got up there and acted like the Swedish chef, and they said this time. Yeah, they like, threw like like fruit and vegetables at you. I mean, it was crazy. <laughs> Yeah, they had easier access to all that stuff, yeah. so right. really all yeah. bring it out of show school was the best idea. <laughs> One way to use a product. <laughs> Is there a, a favorite experience with Raleigh that you have? I mean, out of I'm sure that, you know, there's hundreds and hundreds, but is there, like, a top one that you have? I mean, really, there's a lot. <laughs> but if I had to pick one, I guess it was um, meeting him for the first time was probably the best one. It just, you know, because I was so used to watching him, even when I was a kid, on The Wonderful World of Color talking to Walt, whether it was about the Museum of the Weird or uh, the Tower of the Four Winds, and then to actually interact with him and, like, you know, sit down. That first night that we, you know, we spent together and we had dinner with uh, Marie and, you know, sat around drinking wine until, you know, 11, 12 o'clock at night. That was, that's probably my favorite moment. Is he a scamp in person, his word? (laughs) He, yes, yes. Absolutely. <laughs> I love that word. I would think he, I mean, he just sounds like someone who'd be as mischievous now as he was when he was, you know, walking Walt Disney Studios back in the day, or Walt Disney oh, Imagineering, yeah. I shouldn't say. 
I mean, you guys talk to him. You know, he doesn't hold anything back. He tells it like it is. He speaks his mind. And uh, th- I think that's the best part about him. Is he well-liked in with, I don't not the Disney community, but with other Disney people? Which, like some, which yeah. Disney people do you refer to? <laughs> well, not like not like Bob Gurr, but like when I had spoke to Margaret Carey, I had mentioned his name, and she was like, "Oh." <laughs> um, so I was just curious if like there's some people that you know don't particularly like him. You know, for her, I'm not entirely sure to be honest with you because I don't really think they ever had any interaction with her. I mean, she was actually. I take that back. She may have, considering he was in between her on Peter Pan and Model, but I don't think he was actually in any of the sessions that were, you know, based around her. Um, and then, you know, he didn't work in animation that long before he moved over to Wed. So I'm not entirely sure what her interactions with him were, and for her to react like that, I don't know. But I know there are other people in the company, especially after Walt died, I think uh, because he had a kind of special relationship with Walt that a lot of the others did not, and there was a little bit of jealousy there that kind of led to him not being well-liked by some people, which, you know, after Walt passed away, which is why he was kind of pushed out of WED and he became the art director for Disneyland, so he was out of the building and, you know, they wouldn't have to deal with him because they didn't know what to do with them. Um, so, and I think, you know, some of that still may carry over today for some people, but um, for the most part, I mean, they all, even people in the company today, they know what a a loose cannon he is. Uh, I guess that's the best way <laughs> to put it, and which may or may not affect his appearances for certain things, but, you know, what are you going to do? Well, he was he was pretty straightforward in, in the book, uh, in, in the book he wrote. It's kind of a huge story. He pretty much said, you know, a lot of guys didn't like me even back then because he yeah. wasn't a yes man. He didn't he didn't bow to, to Walt. I don't want to say that. I mean, he, obviously he respected Walt, but he didn't just say yes to Walt just because he was Walt. He this is, you know, he, he had his, his own opinions. And, and like you said, he spoke his mind. Yeah, so absolutely. And he I, was I think... upfront about that in the book. Yeah, yeah, and I think that's, to me, I think that's why, part of the reason why they got along so well, because he wasn't just another yes man, and I think that's part of the reason why he didn't get along so well with some other people, because he wasn't going along with the flow as what everybody else was. So do you still do From the Mouth of the Mouse? Because my first um, exposure, I don't want to say that because that sounds rude, but my first exposure to <laughs> Jeff Heimbuck um, was From the Mouth of the Mouse, reading those articles, and it, and I really enjoyed them. Those were really fun interviews do you still thanks do those that um unfortunately i haven't done it in a while and a lot of it has to do with time i guess because it is kind of time consuming to chase down some of these cast members i mean because you know when i was doing it actively i would get emails from people all the time asking you know cast members saying that they enjoyed it and they wanted to participate and you know it, it it's one thing to say that to, they want to participate and it's another thing to actually answer the questions um because in the beginning, I would actually talk to these people on the phone or on Skype or something, and I would talk to them for a half hour. Then later, I would just go back and transcribe the uh, the interview. And then over time, it became really tedious to do that because that takes a lot of time to transcribe the interviews, um, yeah. especially when I was working on the book with Rolly. I mean, I had you know hundreds of hours of interview with him to transcribe to work into a book, so I didn't want to spend even more time doing that for uh, the columns. And I guess over time, I just kind of let it go, fall to the wayside because it was a lot of work. I did enjoy doing it. I did enjoy talking to the cast members, but it, it wasn't uh, something that I can do every week because for a while towards the end, I started going to like a bi-weekly schedule just because it was so much to do. 
and then I just I just stopped doing it altogether because it was just too much work. Was this the first book that you written? No, it was a, a column on. Uh, no, I'm first... sorry, um, Rolly's book. Oh, Rolly's book. Yeah, Rolly's book was the first one that I I've written. Yeah, it's a great book. It's you know Dang. it's it's well written, easy to read. You know, it just it flows really nicely, and it just you really don't want to put it down because. You you could just tell that it you could just you could you could hear Rolly's voice in, in the way you wrote it so you know it's perfect yeah and that's that's what everybody says and that's what we were going for I mean and like I mentioned before there were others who tried to help him get his story out in the past and they kind of wanted to change that and have it be more straightforward narrative as opposed to being told as he would tell it and. Right. He didn't really like that. And to me, I wouldn't really like that either. I would, you know, he's the one telling the story and he tells them well. So we wanted to keep that vibe going in the book. And uh, I'm glad we accomplished it. And how did you come up with the name of the, the, the book? It's kind of a cute story. Uh, because he must have said it a million times <laughs> did he? when we were talking. <laughs> so when it came time to, you know, when we were talking about it, and, I, you know, I, at the time I was going through the interviews again and listening to this stuff two, three times. And, like, I... He, he would say it all the time, and I, eventually I, it just clicked, and I was like, this has to be the name of it, because, you know, hearing the interviews, you know, every third story would start that way, so I was like, this just has to be it. And you've, you've done additional audio, what do you got to bite part? We're at a... or something by now? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it feels like it sometimes. We just released four uh, in April. Um, and that came about because he, you know, he, he liked the response of the book, and, you know, obviously we couldn't get all the stories in the book because we only had a, a limited number of pages, but he has, you know, millions more stories to tell. So instead of doing another book, which took, you know, a year, year and a half to do, uh, I, and because everyone kept saying they enjoyed reading the book and they can hear Rolly's voice while reading it, we just decided to actually let him tell the stories. Uh, because A, you know, obviously easier for me because I could just put a microphone in front of him and let him talk. And uh, B, it's him telling the stories and it's nothing like a direct source for, for these kind of stories. What do you think is the most important thing about you writing the book and, and him telling the stories is for the preservation of Disney history? Uh, I Again, I think it goes back to him being a direct source because we have so little of them left now, unfortunately. I mean, we have Rolly, we have Bob, we have Alice Davis, uh, we have... Exitentio and uh, Blaine Gibson, and those are really the only people left that have actually worked with Walt. And a lot of them, you know, aside from Bob, who also released a book a couple of years ago, none of them have really taken the time to tell their story completely, you know, from start to finish right. of working with the company. We only hear bits and pieces of it. And unfortunately, you know, eventually these stories are going to be gone. So I, I think it was just important to hear it directly from him uh, especially without any sanitation from the Walt Disney Company, you know, trying to cover up the dirty spots. Um, I, I think it was really important to get those unfiltered firsthand accounts from him. And it'll live forever because you, if I'm not mistaken, you're in the archives. Yes, Are yes, I am. That was really weird to see that in there. But you guys were in there. I, I went yeah. in the archives on my trip because we have a friend that's a cast member. She took us over there and kind of, not quite the Communa tour, but we got a little bit of a tour of, yeah. of um, <laughs> Walt Disney Studios. And uh, she brought us downstairs and showed the, the tunnel that the ink and paint girls used to walk under and all that yeah, stuff. Yeah, that, that was and, pretty cool seeing that. I enjoyed yeah. that. Uh, but we got to go back into the uh, the archives and kind of walk around in there. This would have been before your book, so I didn't see it sitting in there, but... Still pretty neat to, to see. I mean, there's just 
so much history in that one room. I mean, and that's not even everything. I'm sure we we talked to Dave Smith, and and he said that they've got just you know stuff everywhere. <laughs> they have the the Raiders of the Lost Ark warehouse yeah. somewhere filled with everything. <laughs> they yeah. they they only let you into that small little front room with all that little stuff. But when we're on the the commuter tour, uh, when we walked into that room and like when uh, everybody we were with realized, you know what was on those walls with all the books, you know, a handful of them just started looking immediately to find where the book was just so they, they could <laughs> point it out. <laughs> Did you know it was in there prior to the, someone, I mean, had you already been kind of aware uh, I didn't, of that? I didn't know it was in the archives. I mean, I kind of had a feeling it was because they do keep a record of, you know, pretty much everything that is written about Disney or published about Disney in there. Um, but it was still really cool to see it, you know, in the case with all these other Disney books, you know, like, you know, the nickel tour was directly above it, which I thought was pretty awesome. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Speaking of all, like, the Disney legends that you have spoken with in the past, are there... Who has to be... Besides Rolly, who else is your favorite to, to talk with? Uh, I... I mean, I guess it would have to be Bob, obviously, because, I mean, especially the two of them together, um, they're characters, they're, they're quite a handful. Uh, last year for the, the anniversary, of, actually, yeah, it was the anniversary of the Tiki Room, they were both on a panel, and the night before the panel, uh, Rolly was staying at the Disneyland Hotel, and, you know, Bob came up, and we all had dinner together, and just sitting there listening to the two of them go back and forth and reminisce about the old days was just awesome and it was like nobody else was in the room it was just the two of them talking essentially so right. just hearing them talk about the old days and then you know talk about people they like talk about people they didn't like it was just really cool to to hear all that <laughs> do they get to see each other often uh not no not really because bob lives you know closer to to la and, and burbank and Rolly lives uh way down in southern california like closer to you know much closer to san diego so i mean it's it's a good two and a half hour ride for either of them to see each other uh, i didn't realize that way. i thought yes. uh, i thought Rolly was was closer to the uh disneyland area as well no no he's he's still a trek from there but i got to hear um uh, i think your buddy uh, Keith Gluck is the host of uh, Walt Disney Family Museum podcast, right? Yes, he got them on the phone together. And he got them on the phone together, and that was amazing. Just yeah. listening to Rolly and then listening to Bob, and then he was like, hey, we're going to call Bob. Hold on a second. Yeah. And listen, I mean, it was like Keith just Keith did what any good um, you know host would do, and he shut up and got out of the way and, just and let, let, let those two guys go at it. And that was that was really great uh, to listen to him. Before and you got to do it in person. That. Yeah, before he did that, he he uh, he was like, "Do you think that's a good idea? Would that would that be okay?" I'm like, "I bet the two of them would love that. I think they won't even talk to you; they'll just talk to each other." <laughs> that's exactly what happened. <laughs> I think I think he, I kind of when Keith said, "Well, we kind of got to go," I, I could kind of feel this uh, sadness in his voice at that time, saying, "Unfortunately, we don't have any more time, or this is going to be a six-hour-long show." Yeah, it's not like he doesn't get to talk to you know either of them on a regular basis anyway <laughs> well, for those of us that don't rub elbows with the superstars it was, yes. it was pretty impressive <laughs> pretty amazing so you're we, we don't all get to go to disneyland with bob Iger like you do bob Iger, i wish no i don't think bob Iger goes to the park actually he does every once in a while i saw him last year i think in the park once in cars really? land take, taking a well, picture yeah. and, and then quickly was, being whisked away uh -huh. to the back yeah, that was a promo picture. It wasn't like he was hanging it out. Was actually, yeah, it was a promo picture. <laughs> yeah, I don't know that he's ever... Uh, he was probably in um, for Fantasyland reopening as well, but that's probably about it. Yeah, he's not Michael Eisner when it comes to uh, love of the parks. 
I don't know. He's not a, a showman being out in front of the camera like he was. Speaking of Eisner, how hard have you tried to get him to come on your show? You have no idea <laughs> how hard. I yeah, mean, he might know because you, yeah. you say how you say what you've done, and then Sean can say what he's done. Okay, let's let's compare notes. So uh, before we even did the musical, I you know I've always been a huge fan of his, D- despite everything. I've always been a huge champion of his, and I sent a. I sent emails and letters and uh, phone calls to the uh, Tarrant company that he runs now and he owns now. Right. Yep. And, you know, I was getting no responses whatsoever. And then out of the blue, I think this was like maybe a year, year and a half into doing the show, uh, Communicore Weekly, uh, I get a phone call and it's him on the phone. Like, and it, it, I, he was like, hi, uh, can Holy I talk crap. to Jeff? And I'm like, uh, yeah, this is him. And he goes, yeah, this is... Um, uh, Mike Eisner, I got your your letter, and he, you know, he was talking about. It. He was asking questions about the show. Talked to him for maybe like five minutes, and he said he would get back to me about um, actually being on the show as a guest. Right. Never heard from him again. Oh man, well, you got further than we did. Yeah, yeah, yeah well, talk to the guy. <laughs> I, I would die if I got a phone call from him. Yeah, because you know I'm a I'm actually a fan of him as well, and me too. you know because you know I grew up in the in the '80s, so I do remember you know on Sunday nights seeing him come on and and talk about what's going to be played that night on you know on the uh, wonderful world of Michael Eisner. Yeah, yeah. you know That's what but, it was called, right? <laughs> yeah. You know what though? I don't. I'm, I will never compare the man to Walt, but. For me, growing up, I was I'm 32 now. I was born in 82, and watching the wonderful world of Mike Eisner, as you so put it, I mean, he was the face of Disney to me. I know he he's was. Not yeah, Walt, he was. Yeah. And I'm not saying he's Walt, but he was Disney to me. Watching him on those TV shows, and I've always been a fan of him. I mean, say what you want about how things ended. Uh, I've, you know, I've, I've read the book. I wasn't really old enough to know what all was going down, but I've read the books, and I've, so I kind of know what happened, but. He built the parks that I fell in love with, so I've yeah. always been a big fan of him. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, now he's not perfect by any means. But. No, he wasn't. He wasn't. But that's okay. Nobody was. I mean, exactly. but he was emulating a lot of the things that were successful for Walt Disney, which is why he did that show and he was very out there for all these openings and everything. And uh, you know, again, he did make a lot of missteps, but he did a lot of really great things too. And uh, yeah. he, he just, I mean. Uh, even after that phone call, I mean, uh, not too long ago, I, I sent another letter just to see if it would work again and an, an email to the company. And um, I, somebody got back to me saying, you know, he just doesn't talk about that his time at Disney anymore. He just doesn't do it. Yeah, uh, and I, and I wrote back talk. going, you know, that's yeah. fine. Let's talk about other stuff. Let's talk about the stuff he's doing now. Yeah. I know he's oh. he's what you, he executive produced a cartoon uh, that's going to be on Netflix, I think, starting in August. Um, yes, that's right. Yep. I forget the name of it. Uh, Will Arnett is the voice of, of the main character, though. I know that. And I was like, we could talk about that. I don't care. I just want to talk to him. But I'll talk again, about Topps baseball cards with him if that's one of I would to totally talk about, about Topps baseball cards with him. And he's a huge him. soccer fan, and I'm a huge soccer well, Actually, all three of us are soccer fans. I'll talk soccer with him. I don't care. I just want to talk to him. Yeah. I, if I have to... If I have to write in blood that I promise not out. to say Disney, I will. T- and if that's what I have to do, I'll do it. Yeah, absolutely. You know, that, one of the things getting back to you know the, the Sunday night special, but that's one of the things that's actually missing with the Disney company now is that there is no real face of you know Disney Disney company or the parks side of things. And there's something that I really do miss is that you don't see those instances of, of things happening in the park where uh, – what was the name of those um, upside-down Disney or something like that when P- 
people would go through the parks and you would see what was happening in the parks now. Inside Out? Inside Out, yeah, thanks. Um, You know, it's a shame. They really should start doing things like that. And, you know, I remember back when the studios opened up, there was a big special them showing the opening, the the grand opening of of the studios. And they did a whole special on TV for it. I think it was on the Disney Channel. And they aired that. I mean, that was something that they could have done for Cars Land or they could have done for the new Fantasyland. You know, they they really need to step back into that and start and start showing that side of the park again, the the fun, entertaining side of, of the parks. I think part of the reason that they don't do that kind of thing anymore is because of the internet. Um, because I mean, now if if they were to produce a television show like that, I mean, it has to happen. Then they have to edit it, and then they have to go to re-edit it, and then it has to be approved, and then that's a schedule of the time that airs it and everything. So by the time it actually airs, it's already two, three months after the fact. Whereas, you know, the opening of the the mine train ride, you know, I mean, they they had the big event and it was on the Internet immediately because of everybody. All the press that was there was tweeting about it and blogging about it immediately. So I, I kind of feel like they feel it's unnecessary because that information gets out so quickly because of the Internet. And to go back to what you said about there not being a face of the company any, anymore, um, I think because these Imagineers are so accessible because of the internet now that there is no one face of it. It's just, you know, you have this conglomeration of the Imagineers that we know um, that are, you know, that are working on things and they put themselves out there on whether it's Twitter or even on the Disney Parks blog. Um, that's that to me, that's kind of why there is no face of the company anymore. But you still kind of miss it. You just don't because you, you don't get that you don't get that personal interaction. You don't get that, you know, you're seeing that, that one person be like, man, they have the, the greatest job in the world. Or, oh, yeah. Man, you know, I want to meet them or, or be with them. But I understand what you're saying. And But the Disney Parks blog is just, in a lot of ways, it's lacking. It's just, you know. It can just, go either way for me sometimes. Yeah, it's just they, they tow the company line and the information is just so bland, so vague. You, you just want more. They just give you enough to tease you and then it's dropped and you don't hear anything again. I don't think they fully grasp how to use uh, social media to their advantage. Yeah, I don't think they yet. do. I mean, sometimes they do awesome things and sometimes they do, right. like, what were they thinking things. Um, they just, I mean, two weeks ago they had one of their bloggers uh, interview Harold the Yeti uh, in the Matterhorn. And it was a simple, like, minute and a half video, and I thought it was hilarious. It was great. And then they do something else where they take a picture of, you know, Chewbacca with Suki, uh, Suki, Snooki from the Jersey Shore. And See, that, that, that to me was like, why are you doing well. that? You're, that bothered me. Uh, maybe it's because I, I didn't bother because it was, you know, I mean, <laughs> I'm not a Snooki fan. I've never seen, I never watched that show, but I was just like, I mean, you know, there's a lot of people out there that enjoyed that stupid show and they probably got a kick out of seeing her and whatever. It, but is that something you really want to associate with the family friendly image of Disney though? That was kind of my issue with it. Kind of what she stood for in, you know, what she was famous for and then Disney was using her as a promotional tool in some way. I don't that was just kind of weird yeah, to me. That's a good point. But look at last year's promotion, you know, the promotion that they were running the, the weekly uh, limited time magic the thing. Time magic and Yeah. It was just, you know, they. there's so many things that they could have done, and they just, you know, you'd have a couple great weeks, but they would drop the ball, you know, 50 other weeks out of the year. Yeah. I mean, yeah. they could have went above and beyond and like, oh, it, you know, it's just a limited time thing. But still, it's just, you know, there's so many rare characters that you don't get to see. Bring them out to the parks and bring them, you know, 
Robin Hood isn't really that rare of a character, but, you know, Darkwing Duck really is. I mean, you know, there's so many characters that they could have brought out when they just brought out people who who might have showed off, you know, during parades or something along that. Oh, yeah. But people want to see the other ones, like like Pete, um, you know, like uh, for the uh, the Mickey Mouse Clubhouse show that's mm-hmm. for kids. Pete would be a great character to bring out. Kids don't, you know, I've never seen him in the parks. I don't, even, I don't even know if he's ever been in the parks, but I know my son wanted to meet him. And that would have been just a fun thing to bring out every once in a while. Just, you know, take some of the the secondary characters, you know, that you don't normally see and bring them out on stage. Yeah, I, I feel like four months into that promotion, they kind of ran out of ideas. And that's when they started recycling stuff from mm-hmm. earlier. And it was just the same stuff over and over again throughout the rest of the year. Well, the, the biggest blender there was not so much um, that it existed or even that it didn't do a lot every week, but it's that they promoted this big announcement that they were going to do on you know, Dick Clark's Rockin' New Year's Eve or whatever. And, you know, it was going to be this big, big deal, big announcement. Stay up past midnight. We're going to announce something right after it's done. And they did. And then it turned out to be nothing. If they had, if they had just kind of come out and said every week we're going to do something different, eh, moving on, you know, just yeah, no big right. deal. Yeah. Instead of because making it a big announcement, but, how many times were they? Did they have special ears on sale? I mean, yeah. like, I'm, I don't want to be down there just to buy ears. You know, that's a special limited time magic. That's you know, I don't want that. I want to see something. That is that brings up another good point. I mean, part of that was to bring people into the parks. However, right when they announced it, I mean logically thinking how much planning goes into planning a vacation, if they announce something a month in advance, you know, that's still not really enough time to, you know, right. book a flight, book a hotel. But they were, they were announcing a week time. in advance. Yeah. Right. Yeah, we, Except for the I'm, big ones. I'm being optimistic about the month in yeah. advance. <laughs> the big ones were announced early. The the yeah. Valentine's thing, the Halloween thing, the um, the Dappers do boy band junk right. all that even stuff. the even the, tw- the first 24 hour event was announced that was announced on new year's eve and and that yeah. took place two months after and even then i mean it was difficult for people to plan a vacation to get down there for that event it's specifically and even then i mean i think they were unprepared for what it was going to be because for, i mean i didn't go to that one but what everybody says is that it was a nightmare but it's just gotten better throughout the years because i know how to handle it better now right I mean, but look at like some of their biggest fans, which are DVC members. As a DVC member, you got to book seven to eleven months in advance to make sure you get your resort of choice or your room of choice. You know, you're not you're not going to be able to book you know a week in advance during Christmas to for whatever special event they're having. And that's only at I mean, well, Disney World you had that problem. I mean, that that same goes here at Disneyland because they only have like four or five rooms specifically for DVC members here, so it's uh, even harder to use right. that opportunity here. I just figured it was more to boost the um, like local sales from, from like, you know, um, like residents instead of, like, out-of-towners plan a trip. I think it was more to get the local people to the parks instead. But even after a couple of those weeks, you're not going to want to spend any extra money. You're going to be just like, it's just another rehash thing or just, I don't need more Mickey ears. Yeah, I don't need stickers. Like, how many ears do you really need? Right, Disney? exactly. Right. Uh, like, I mean, b- before we get too further, too much further down the rabbit hole of things Disney does wrong, the, <laughs> the limited time magic, like they were what they were. They, it shouldn't, if they hadn't made as big of a deal out of them, it probably would not have mattered. Cause my wife and I were down in March um, and they, that, the week they were doing the Easter egg hunt through Epcot, 
we bought the little map. We did the, and it was fun. There were some of them were really easy to find. The one in Japan, it took a, that was the last one we found, and it wasn't until we were sitting at dinner at Tokyo Dining that we looked out the window, and there it was. It was so it was a fun little event. We didn't plan any our trip around it by any means, but you know they were fun, and I think that was the point of them that they just hadn't promoted them so much. They're fun diversions. I mean, for the event ones like like that, they were good diversions if you just happened to be there. But there were also some weeks where they had, you know, limited time magic. Here is a special ice cream treat for the right. Special, they had that soup. <laughs> we had that right. week where they had special soups. I think. You know, yeah, those, yeah. Those are a week, and then. Uh, but before we get off the subject of things Disney does wrong, uh, Jeff's personal favorite thing that Disney did wrong was the the dragon. I knew Speaking you were going to Disney food blog. <laughs> Why did or you not Disney food up, blog? Man. Sorry, wrong website. Uh, Disney Parks blog. Uh, uh, things that just really—that was not your. You know, they just this huge promotion, this huge promotion, and oh look, there's pictures of Walton finding this egg, and how clever. And then one night, and it's gone. That I think. <laughs> Really, I, I, that, that's pretty much what made it so annoying for me, that they made such a huge, huge deal out of it, and then literally nobody nobody in the, the public ever saw it. It was specifically reserved for people in the media to see. So why spend all that time and energy and money on something that the public is following and then never let them see it? Exactly. I'm so I heard hoping. rumors about that months yeah, I don't know, six months, a year and prior to that, right. that they were working. Y'all were working yeah, on that. Those they were working that in California. About it. Right, yeah. yeah. You're up in Northern California, I think, right, for a while? Yeah, all those secret yeah. test flights going yep. on with it in the middle of the night and everything. And, you know, I, granted, they still have it. They, you know, it, I think it's even stored uh, here on this coast now. So, I mean, they do have the opportunity to roll it out again in some shape or form. Um, and I guess from what I've heard, I don't know if it's true, it's costly and it, it takes a lot to actually do it um but I, I think it'd be totally worth it even if they bring it out once a week once a month even i think that'd be a, a cool thing for them to do i wouldn't hate it as much then if they if they brought it out well i mean they could have brought it out for the the unveiling of the mine train too oh I yeah mean, it's, there's so many things that they can use They'll it paint for. it blue and bring it out for avatar i that <laughs> yeah is probably guess that that's what they're going to do it's <laughs> going to be a big thing for avatar for one night only again and then we won't see it again for years for the bloggers. Yeah. The I figured that it was a test like for um, Avatar Land and like, that was the whole like, reason for it. And then the whole um, internet universe like, took it and made it bigger than it was. I don't know if that was the case or not. Well, I mean, social media blows everything up. Even when Disney makes an announcement that's not supposed to be an announcement, it yeah. takes off. It, it, it grows, becomes it grows, uh, it grows its own legs and before you know it, there's somebody defending it and somebody snarking about it and then <laughs> snarking about it. What do you mean? And then wars break out and <laughs> come on, Jeff. I know you're on. I know you're what on. What are you Twitter. talking about? Now, there's no there's no snark in the Disney community at all. No, not at all. Uh, all right. Well, are we talking know, about the same people? Yeah, of course we are. <laughs> well, to get this back on track, now that we've uh, successfully bashed the Disney Parks blog. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> why don't we? Why don't we? Um, why don't we do the uh, the tiki lightning round? That's what we call it. I think it's probably time for that. Awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's see if uh, how well uh, Jeff knows these questions. And you can go. <laughs> and I think because Jeff grew up as a Walt Disney World fan and now is a Disneyland regular, he has to do each question twice, once for each park or once right. for each coast. 
That works. So it's, oh, a, yeah. it's a ten question Tiki Lightning now. Here's the first question. Right, I'm okay. Disney World now, okay? Okay. Thank you for favorite snack. I'm confused. <laughs> favorite snack in Walt Disney World? Uh, at Walt Disney World, uh, is there going to be a drink question later on? Because I don't want to use the same answer. No, there no. isn't. You can make a okay. Drink you want. The, the, the Yak Attack at uh, the, yeah. the Yak and Yeti in Animal Kingdom. Good choice. Yeah, I'm not familiar with that. It good. is delicious, and I suggest you acquaint yourself with it. <laughs> Very good. I'll be going down in November, so I'll check it out. Not quite as good as the Lapu Lapu, but it's good. It is, yeah, it's still really awesome. All right, same thing, other coast. Uh, I'm going to have to go with the Dole Whip here. Okay. Uh, favorite attraction on the left coast? Uh, Wait, I, I have to hold up my hands to see which one you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> the one that makes an L. <laughs> The one here on the left coast, I am going to go with Enchanted Tiki Room. Now to Disney World. Uh, Haunted Mansion. Now this one, which this one, question. Which, is, which Haunted Mansion do you prefer? Um, uh, I feel like I shouldn't answer that question. I don't know. I mean, I don't hate uh, the changes they made to the end at, uh, in the Magic Kingdom uh, with the, the CGI ghosts and everything. Uh, I don't hate the interactive queue. I think that's a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, but I do enjoy... The original here, obviously, because it's the original. I've only but, seen the Nightmare Before Christmas overlay, which was cool. But that I was think, that is pretty awesome. So I mean, more points for this one too for that. But I don't, I don't think it needs to be here a quarter of the year. Um, yeah, it's there I, a long time. When we went in September and it was there. And I was like, come on. Yeah, they start a little early. All right. So the next question is, uh, I don't know how this well this relates to Bolts Coast, but your favorite character. Uh. I, this this can be both coasts actually. Uh, Jose Carioca, since they do have a meet and greet with him at uh, both parks. They have a meet and greet. I mean, I guess is it in Mexico at Epcot? They have it in Mexico. I, I mean, they bring him out every once in a while in Mexico. I've only ever they, seen Donald. They every once in a while. No, I've seen really him. Crowded, yeah. They bring him out, but here yeah. they had him for uh, Viva Navidad, the uh, the Christmas celebration. Oh, cool. What's your favorite Disney movie? Uh, Three Caballeros. Oh, really? Yeah. Directly translated to that last question as well. (laughs) You know, the funny thing is, like, you know, we've, everybody that comes on, we ask this question, and and we don't get too many repeats, to be honest with you. You know, so it's a great thing. It's a great question to ask. I had a a repeat. Who was it that said Aristocast? surprising, actually. Uh, Aristocast, that was was, uh, Cat Tabor, yeah. Yeah. Do people pick a lot lot of uh, live action ones, or? It's mostly animated. Yeah, it's mostly animated. Yeah, I'm not surprised by that. No, that's, I mean, most people, if you think Disney movies, you think of cartoons. So. Yeah, but, that's, I mean, I mean, if I had to pick live action, it would be 20,000 Leagues. I was, I was a Swiss Family Robinson person myself. See, that's a good one, good too. Movies. I love Swiss good. Family Robinson, man. I watched that one over and over and over when I was a kid. <laughs> Pretty sure I wore out about two or three VHS tapes of that movie. That's, that's how I was with Three Caballeros. I think we had a Mary Poppins, too. I think somebody uh, Yeah, I think somebody said that. that. It was, yeah. I, think, I think that was Margaret Carey. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Other than Peter, Peter Pan, Pan. I think she said she said Peter Pan and Mary Poppins. Yeah, both. I think no, it doesn't matter. Back to, <laughs> yeah, back to the one where back to the guy we're actually talking to. <laughs> All right, so this one you have to choose one for each park. So your favorite Disney park memory? Um, for World, I would have to say probably, uh, not the first time I went, but I think the second or third time. And there, there's a video of it too of me by the the big tiki drums outside of the Enchanted Tiki Room uh, before they spit water out at you when they actually, like, played music. Um, just me, like, kind of, like, tiptoeing around them, kind of being unsure about it. Uh, that 
I remember that fondly. That was, that was a lot of fun. But for here was um, seeing the Enchanted Tiki Room uh, for the first time in its correct form in 20 years. Because, like, I literally, I've, I, I told other people this too, but I literally walked out and I started crying because it was, like, reliving my childhood again. I called my grandmother, uh, you know, to tell her that I saw it again. It wasn't the crappy version. Um, <laughs> so it, th- that was that was a good memory for me. All right, so bonus question for you. This one's never been asked before, but... Uh, if you could take one ride from Disney World and one ride, you know, switching a ride, you know, take one ride from Disneyland, take it and put it in Disney World, or from Disney World and put it in Disneyland, what are you going to do? Uh, I would probably take Expedition Everest and bring it here somewhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, just because I really, really, really like that ride. But if you remove Expedition Everest, you know, there's no reason to go to that half-day no, I'm just kidding. I'm just you kidding. want to start that off? Oh, just kidding, Jeff. We I'm could kidding. totally have that argument. <laughs> I kid, I kid. Uh, but as for vice versa, I don't, I don't know. Um, I think I'd be because I live here now. I wouldn't want to move anything here to over there. Um, if if I didn't live here, I, I guess I would want to see you know something major put into uh, Walt Disney World. I mean, maybe Radiator Springs Racers. That'd be cool to have at Walt Disney World, but since living here, I don't want them to move that over. <laughs> you know what well, like at least you see, answered them. I'd like to yeah. see them bring great moments with Mr. Lincoln over. I think that'd be a good show to, to that bring That would be up. cool, actually, to bring that there. That Actually, that's a good answer. Um, I think that show is much better than um, Hall of Presidents. And yeah. That's probably better than the American Adventure, too, to be honest. I mean, that I, show is pretty... That, I feel like that goes pretty on touching. pretty long. Yeah, uh, I agree. American Adventure? Yeah, American Adventure. Yeah, it drags yeah. on a little bit too long. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I love America as much as the next American, but that show is a little bit on the long side. Yeah. <laughs> All right, well, I think that probably is going to wrap it up. Um, before we go any further, though, Jeff, why don't you tell our listeners, you know, plug plug away. Plug yourself and your show and, and whatever else you've got going on right now. Uh, you can find uh, George and I every week on Communicor Weekly on iTunes or CommunicorWeekly.com. Uh, and, of course, it's kind of a cute story, and the more cute stories CDs are available on Amazon and iTunes and Barnes & Noble and all those booksellers. And uh, hopefully in August, late August, uh, my book about the Main Street Windows will be out, and it's a... Um, the, the only really comprehensive and complete listing of all the Main Street windows and little blurbs about who they pay tribute to for all five uh, Magic Kingdom-style parks in the world. Because um, even Disney doesn't have a, a, like a complete and comprehensive list of all that stuff. So uh, this will be hope- hopefully the first and only one like that. <laughs> that sounds great. I'm going to definitely pick that it up. It does, yeah. yeah I'm looking forward to that one. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean... They had that. They published a book a couple of years ago with you know a handful of windows in it for both Disneyland and Walt Disney World, and there was like maybe twenty or so, um, but it wasn't all of them. So I, I kind of always wondered who a lot of these other people were, because a lot of them are names that aren't recognizable for most folks. So it was a lot of research, but it, w- it was really cool to learn the backstories of them. Yeah, the, the windows are pretty cool. I have a, I have a friend that's a, a cast member out there. I mentioned that, but. Um... She, for a short period of time, was um, she was in, she was a manager for uh, Main Street Entertainment, so the Dans and the Philharmonic and all the you know all the performers and stuff. And her office um, was behind uh, the Dick Irvine window. 
Oh, really? <laughs> uh, so she she sent me a picture. She said, "This is uh this is what I see outside my office, or not her office, but her desk or whatever. I think it's cubicles, maybe. I'm not sure. But anyway, she said this is what uh, this is what her window is overlooking. I think that overlooks the hub, or not the hub, but the like down by the train station, isn't it? I'm not exactly yeah, sure where yeah, that window is at. There. So yeah, that, That's she's really got awesome. a much better view than I had. I, I don't think she's there anymore because she's she's over in Tomorrowland now, but. Um, yeah, the windows are pretty pretty awesome. Yeah, it's cool. I've always really wondered about most of those people. And I mean, for a lot of them, whatever fake business that they own, quote unquote, on the window, there's some sort of reason why that's assigned to them. So it's it was pretty interesting to hear some of those backstories. A lot of them were kind of surprising. <laughs> Yeah, I look forward to reading that. Uh, Can't we'll, wait, yeah. We'll, we'll we'll plug that when it when it drops. Any idea yet? Or are you still too far away to? Uh, I'm. I literally before we started this, I downloaded like probably the last set of notes from my editor. Um, so after this, it'll go into the layout stage, which is why we're probably thinking like late August this will be out. Excellent. Well, before we wrap up, not to get too sentimental, but I did want to say that you know having the opportunity to talk to you means a lot to me. Uh, Communicore Weekly was probably the first podcast I listened to ever. Oh, um, that's thanks, what got buddy. me. That's what got <laughs> me into Disney podcasts and. Um, one thing that is important to me as a as a quote unquote podcaster now is not to lose touch with like our listeners. It's important to me, and and that the main reason is because I had just started listening to podcasts. I was new on Twitter, and I tweeted you and George, and both of you were like really cool about replying to me, even though you didn't have to. And and I thought that was really cool the way you guys you know and still is really cool the way you guys treat your listeners, and that's something that. You know, Keith and Sean can vouch for that. It's important to all three of us that that we stay in touch with our our listeners and and not get you know, quote unquote too big for ourselves because ultimately we're all just Disney fans. We're all doing this you know because we love it. So yeah, absolutely. Not to get too sentimental, but I love the show and and I appreciate the you know I kind of look up to you guys as podcasters. Well, I guess I really appreciate that. That's really that's probably one of the nicest compliments we've ever gotten. So thanks. <laughs> but yeah, that's always been really important to us to interact with the you know with everybody that listens i mean we've never not responded to anyone because to us i mean if these people are taking their time out of their day to li listen to your show and like send you something I and mean, the least you can do is respond back to them i mean and it's weird because a lot of people that i'm close with now we actually met through either you know just the disney community in general or because of the podcast i mean george and i became friends because of writing about Disney and you know we have a lot of mutual friends now that are we're close to that started out as listeners to the show and you know now we're just good friends with them so it's super important to do that <laughs> well I think that's uh, going to do it for this week be sure to let us know what you thought of the show you can comment over at EnchantedTikiTalk.com you can email us at podcast at EnchantedTikiTalk.com and you can leave us a message on the Tiki Talk hotline which is 256 for my tiki uh, that's 256-469-8454 be sure to like us over on Facebook. Check out our store at redbubble.com. And, of course, follow us on Twitter. We are Tiki Talk Podcast. Uh, lastly, if you enjoy the show, please take the time to rate us on iTunes. And you can find me on Twitter at One Minute Disney Dream. That's 1-M-I-N, Disney Dream, and mouseworldvacations.com. And you can find me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Daily, and online at DoleWhipDaily.com. And you can follow me on Twitter and on Instagram. I'm at Norman Bates. That's N-O-R-M-N-B, the number 8, and the letter S. Thanks for listening this week. For Sean and Keith and our special guest, Jeff Einbuck, I'm Alan, and this has been Enchanted Tiki Talk. Aloha.